Come on, Mama. We're waiting on you. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. I see uh, all the other Sunday schools are left, so all the troublemakers are left in here. So let's pray real quick for our service. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you this morning, Lord, once again, just to thank you for for allowing us to be here in your house, to hear your word, Lord, and just to open your Bible and, and maybe learn more about this God that we follow, this, this, this Lord that we will love, Lord. And I ask you just to be with us today, Lord, and keep our minds and our hearts open, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. All right, well, we are still moving along and, and looking at the attributes of, of this God that, that we love and that we, uh, we follow. And... Uh, the more you get into the Bible and, and try to figure out the attributes of God, I found out that's, that's deep. There's a lot to God. Um, and it's a good thing because uh, He is God. So today we're going to talk about God is gracious. God is gracious. And we need to think about what exactly, what exactly is gracious? Well, if you look it up in the dictionary, gracious is defined as being courteous, kind, and pleasant. Courteous, kind, and pleasant. And if we go by that definition, I can think of a lot of people that are not gracious, right? <clears throat> but let's think about our God is gracious. And let's start off learning about this. Let's go to Psalms. Let's start there in chapter 116. Psalms 116 and verse 5. And the Bible says, Gracious is the Lord. Not gracious is a Lord. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. So our God, the God, the only God is gracious. Okay, the Bible starts right there saying the first word, gracious is the Lord. <clears throat> so let's look at, uh, let's go to Exodus chapter 34. And if you, if you actually search for verses that, that talk about God being gracious, man, there's more than I expected. But he is full of, of graciousness towards us. And let's look at Exodus 34, verse 6. The Bible says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord. So he says it twice. Why? Because he's wanting to get your attention on who he's talking about. He's talking about the Lord, right? The Lord, God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. He's merciful and gracious. And we look at a lot of our songs. We'll talk about, you know, God's mercy and God's grace, God's mercy and God's grace. They go hand in hand. Because He is gracious, He gives us mercy. Because there's no reason we deserve anything from Him. But He is gracious, so He gives us this mercy. And let's look at Nehemiah. Chapter 9. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 9. <clears throat> Nehemiah chapter 9. Verse, I'm going to read verses 16 and 17. Nehemiah, Nehemiah 9 verses 16 and 17 says, But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments. Does that not sound like this world today? It does. Okay. Well, let's go on. It says, and refused to obey. 
Neither were mindful of the wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks in their rebellion, appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But, here we go, but... But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great of kindness, and forsookest them not. So what are we looking at here? God is gracious. And it, this, this was way back, way back when in, Ex, I mean in Nehemiah. This was thousands of years ago. Yet if we look at that right there. The world is proud today and they've hardened their hearts and hardened their necks and they're just refusing to follow God, right? This world, you look at it, it's in almost full rebellion against God today. You can look at TV, you look in magazines, you can look in the radio, you can just drive down the road and just talk to people and they hate God, okay? But yet... God is gracious. And look at his grace right here. It says, God is ready to pardon. He's so gracious that even though that this world is turned against him, he is still has that grace, has that grace. You know, and you think about it. We talk about God, our father. And if you're a parent, you think about your children. You, you, you're, they're born and you love them and you take care of them. And then you have that one that, you know, we say, oh, that's the bad one. You know, they call him the black sheep of the family, right? And you may have one of those that just does everything you tell them not to and more, you know. And your child may end up in prison, may end up wherever. But yet, I guarantee you in your heart, you're still ready to pardon them, right? Exactly the way God is. He's still ready to pardon us. And why is that? Because he is gracious. Okay. Um, and it, it's funny that it, it, you look at this verse and, and no matter what you do, no matter what you do, God is always, I mean, always willing to what? To forgive you. Why? Is it for you? For him? It's so, so we can restore that fellowship. And why does he do that? We talked about it last week. Love. It's because of God's love. God's love. And that's the way we should be. If we're Christians and somebody hurts us, guess what? We should be gracious enough to forgive them because we want to restore that fellowship that we had out of love. Okay? So let's go to Psalms uh, 86. Let's go to Psalms 86. <clears throat> Psalms chapter 86, and let's look at verse 15. The Bible says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plentiness in mercy and truth. Okay? He's gracious. So let's keep looking. Let's keep looking. Let's go to Psalms 103. 103.8. The Bible says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And that word plenteous means um, abounding. It means overflowing. It, you know, if you had a, a, a cup of iced tea and you said, I had a full cup of iced tea, you'd have a full cup of iced tea. But if you say, I have a cup of iced tea that's abounding, that means there's so much iced tea in there that the cup can't hold it. And it's just, it's, it's spraying everywhere, right? That's what God's grace is. It's that much. Why is that? Because he has that much love for us. We can't even understand his love. 
Okay, but we see right there, <clears throat> um, verse 8, it says, He's merciful and gracious. And here's the good thing. Here's a good thing that he's merciful and gracious because the next one, slow to anger. That's a very good thing, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but I know I fail him every day. There's things I do that just, I know God's looking down and going, ah, well, I got grace for you. Stupid, come on, you know. That's the way he is. He, he's, he's so full of love that he's gracious and merciful. Okay, let's look at uh, Psalms uh, 111. Psalms 111 in, in verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 4. Verse 4 says, He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. That's amazing right there. What is that? That's love for us, right? He's full of compassion because he's, he's, he has this much compassion for us. He has this much love and he's gracious towards us. He's gracious. Is anybody doubting that God's gracious yet? Let's look at Psalms 145. Psalms 145 and let's look at verse 8. The Bible says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great of mercy. There it is again. There's his attributes right there. Okay, let's look at Joel chapter 2 and uh, verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. Come on, Joel, there you are. Joel chapter 2 and verse 13. The Bible says, And rend your heart, not your garments, and turn into the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of evil. Okay, and it says rend. Rend, I looked that up, that means tear. Okay, so tear your hearts, right? Tear your hearts. Why? Because God loves you and, and you've done something wrong against him. But he loves you enough that he sends, he is gracious enough to forgive you. He's ready to forgive you at any time. Okay, and that's amazing because, you know, we go through our lives against God. And then you, if you find that point in your life to where he calls you to salvation, then you're saved. Well, that's not it. That's not the end. He still loves. He's still full of that grace and mercy that he's always had for you. And that's good because you know what? We're still going to fail him. We still fail him. We fail to read our Bible. We don't feel like praying, you know, whatever. But he's still there going, I'm still gracious. I still love you. And I'm still going to forgive you. Okay. Let's go to First Peter chapter 5, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 5. This is a really good verse. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 10. <clears throat> and the Bible says, But the God of all grace. Stop right there. So here's our God. He's the God of all grace. He's not the God of some grace. He's the God of all grace. So if you have grace, guess where you get it from? You get it from God. So, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. These are Christians. He's talking about Christians here. And after that, ye have suffered a while. Make ye perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Okay? Because God is so gracious, guess what? It's like the verses we read last night. 
We talked about he was the protector, right? He's our buckler. He's our high tower. He's our strong rock. We can go through the Bible and look at all the things he is to us. And he is that. Why? Because he is gracious, because he loves us, right? And here's the, here's the really cool thing. We need God. God doesn't need us. Okay? And I think people get in their minds sometimes, that, you know, God needs me. No. No. He created you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to be in, in heaven in, in eternity with him. But he doesn't need you. You need him. You need his grace, right? And there is no question that our God is gracious. Look at these verses we've talked about. His grace is unearned. There's nothing we can do to earn his grace. You can't do enough works. You can't say enough prayers. You can't do anything to earn that grace. He gives it freely. And that's a good thing because I guarantee you there's some time today you're going to fail him. Okay. And that grace is there to cover that. He goes, I got it. I'm gracious. I love you. Okay. So let's go to Romans 11. Romans 11. Hopefully there's no doubt that God is gracious, okay? We've seen many verses now. But let's learn a, bit, a little bit more about this grace that he gives us, this, this unending. Remember, it's abounding. It's, it, it, it's plenteous. It's overflowing. So Romans 11, <clears throat> verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, Even so, then at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then is it no more of works? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Well, what are we talking about here? It's kind of confusing, right? No, it's not. It's talking about basically if you break it down, it means God's grace is undeserved. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do about it, right? He gives us that grace so we will come to him and in repentance admit we're sinners and, and, and tell God, you know, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against the holy God. Forgive me. Forgive me. Okay. Salvation came to the Gentiles, right? It came to the Gentiles. Why? Because the Jews were rebellious. He gave the Jews grace. And then because they were rebellious, he goes, okay, Gentiles, you're going to get my grace too. You're my creation. I love you. Here's the grace that I give upon you. Here's the mercy I give you. And I love you. Come to me in salvation. So let's look. We're still in Romans. And you think, and it's funny, everything, you could take everything in this world, every topic, every, everything you could think of. And if you studied it back, guess where it's going to go? It's going to go straight to God. Everything. Everything, good or bad, okay, it will follow back to God. And it goes back to one thing. He's our God. He's our creator. He wants to save you. He wants you to be in heaven with you forever. That's it. That's the sum of everything. People talk about what's the meaning of life. There you go. That's it right there. That's it. So let's look at Romans 3.23. Everybody should know this one. Romans 3.23 and 24. The Bible says, for all have sinned. That means every single person that's ever born or ever will be born. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely 
by his grace. There it is. You're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay? One more verse, Romans 6, 23. You should know this one. This is pretty famous. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the wage for our sin, the payment for our sin that we like to dabble in is death. We can't pay that payment. But because God gives us grace, he sent his son to die for us. That's grace. That's God's grace. He shows his favor towards sinners because he knows we're born in sin. And God is gracious. And sometimes he even gives us what we don't deserve, doesn't he? He does. And God's grace is displayed in, in, in general, in, in a general sense and also in a specific sense. Okay, and we're going to look at that. And it's displayed towards all men in general, uh, which is kind of like a common grace. Okay, he gives common grace to all his creation, right? But he also gives specific grace towards those that believe in him, right? And that's kind of a special grace he sets aside for Christians, okay? So let's look at this. Let's go to Acts chapter 17. Acts 17. <clears throat> and let's read verses 24 and 25. The Bible says, God that made the world and all the things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in the temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. So this is that common grace we're talking about, right? So God created everything, right? But then through his grace, he gives everything, whether you believe in him or you don't. He gives you breath every day, right? He gives breath to the animals. He gives what the plants need. He gives what the little creepy things need. He gives what the fish need. He gives what the birds need. Whatever they need, God provides them. All his creation he provides for, right? Let's look at Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 5. <clears throat> Isaiah 42 verse 5, the Bible says, Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. Okay, so right here we see God gives grace to all people. He gives breath to everybody. But the ones that come to him, he gives, their Holy, he gives his Holy Spirit to them. Okay, that's grace. Let's look at Psalms 145, verse 9. <clears throat> Psalms 145, verse 9. The Bible says, the Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all of his works. Okay? So, he's good to all, and his tender mercies are over all. Okay? That's grace towards every single thing that he's created. 
Okay? Even if it's even if it's a person that's just full of sin and hates God and denies his existence, God still has grace on him because he's still able to live and take a breath. That's grace. Do you under you gotta understand this grace? And why is that? Because even that person that's so hateful towards God, God still loves him. And God's still waiting for him to turn. And that's what that grace is. That's what that mercy is, right? Let's look at uh, Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. And here's Jesus talking to us, right? Jesus says, That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. So God causes each and every day to rise, the sun to rise on everybody, good or bad. That's grace, right? He sends rain, right? He doesn't send rain just to the crops where the Christians are. No, he sends rain to the whole world. That's because he's sustaining his creation, because he loves his creation and he's providing for it. That is grace. And let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Luke chapter 6, verse 35, and Jesus talks again. He says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. So God's grace we see here extends even to ungrateful and evil people by allowing them what? More time to come to him before his judgment comes. He's still waiting, right? That's grace. And each breath that somebody takes on this earth is only through God's grace. If God looked at you right now and said, my grace is done with you. You've been sinning against me. You rebel against me. You, you claim you're an atheist and there's no God. And God said, okay, my grace is done. That person would drop dead that moment. With a, with, with a, without a second. Okay? But because of grace, that person is still allowed to breathe. Let's look at Psalms chapter 65. Got to bear with me. We're going to read some for a minute. Just to learn it. This, this grace is just wonderful. Psalm 65, 9 through 13. The Bible says, Thou visitest the earth and watereth it, Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparedest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. Thou waterest the ridges there abundantly. Thou settlest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. Thou blessest the, the springing thereof. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness and thy paths drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks, and the valleys also are covered over with corn. They shout for joy. They also sing. That's God having grace on this earth, right? Look what he does to provide for it. Let's look at Psalms 104. Let's look at how more of how God provides for his, his creation. Psalms 104, and I'm going to start in verse 10. 
<clears throat> and just listen to these words. He sendeth the springs into the valleys which run al al among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from his chamber. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and the herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth and, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man and oil that maketh his face to shine and bread which strengtheneth the man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap and cedars of Lebanon, which he hath planted where the birds make their nests as, as for the stork and their fir trees are her house. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the conies. He appointed the moon for the seasons and the sun knoweth his going down. Thou makest darkness and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. And the young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. The sun ariseth, they gather themselves together and lay them down in their dens. Man goeth forth unto his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are thy works! In wisdom hath thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So is this great and wide sea, wherein all things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There, there go the ships. There is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. That thou givest them, they may gather. Thou openest thine hand, they are lined with good. Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. That is amazing. Could you think, do you think, look at all that God does. That's every single day. We couldn't build a computer big enough to do that, to manage that. That's managing, God manages the whole earth every single day. And it obeys his word. That is grace. Okay, let's keep going. Psalms 145. I mean, if you can't just, if you just don't have an awe in your heart for God, just reading that, that's, you're, I don't know, you're deader than a hammer. Psalms 145. In verse 15 and 16, the eyes of all wait upon thee. Upon who? They wait upon God. And thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Okay? Acts 14. Look at this one. Acts 14 and verse 16. Look at this. <clears throat> 16 and 17. Who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Wow. Wow. Is that not grace? God gives everything to every creature, not just man, but everything. 
He provides for every single day. I, I, I get worn out just providing for my family every single day. He does it for this whole earth and not just the earth. It says the moon and the stars, everything, everything, every, the moon needs to turn a little bit. God turns it, you know, they're talking about Voyager one is getting ready to leave our solar system. Yeah. And you know where it's going? It's going into a place that God's already prepared and we shouldn't even probably be there, but we are because we're nosy little people, right? But God is great. And even though the world rebels against God, God, every moment of every day through his grace, the world is allowed to live. That's grace. He still provides for for this world, for everybody here each and every day. However, as we saw that if he decides to take that breath away, the tomorrow's not promised for you. The next second is not promised to you. Right. His grace could stop at any moment. And if you're unsaved and that moment comes, it's not going to be very good for you. It's going to be very, very bad because that's it. You're done. His grace ran out and you refused him that one more moment more and it's done. Okay. Let's look at Matthew 5, 13. Matthew 5, 13. But that Psalms 104, that's, uh, reread that later. That's just amazing. Take time and just think about what you're reading. Matthew 5, verse 13. <clears throat> Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Is it thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men? What are we talking about? Well, Jesus was talking about the Christians, right? If you, we're the Christians, we're supposed to be salt of the earth. What does the salt do? Preserves, right? And it heals, okay? God is gracious to this earth by allowing Christians to be the salt, right? And it preserves this earth from what? From his wrath, from his destruction. If you remember, there's a story about a city called Sodom, right? Remember old Abram? Yeah, he said, God... Would you, would you destroy Sodom, a whole city, if there's 50 righteous people? And he kept dealing with God and he got down to, God, if there's only 10? If there's only 10 people in a whole city, God said, I won't destroy it. That's grace. That's grace. You know, look at how evil this world is. Let's just talk about Houston. How evil is Houston? There's a lot of evil here. This is the number one city now for human trafficking. That's evil. But yet through God's grace, he hasn't come down and just stomped the city into the dirt. Right? God's grace. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. <clears throat> of course I keep passing it. Let's get there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and let's look at verses 5 through 8. The Bible says, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withhold that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he... 
he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be, that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall be destroyed with the brightness of his coming. Well, we're talking about God's graciousness, right? What does it do? Well, on this earth, it restrains sin and it holds back the effects of that sin. Okay, you may not think it does. There's still evil and sin. But if God's grace wasn't here, it would be complete anarchy, complete out of control. We talked about how he manages the world every day, right? Well, God's grace holds that, restrains that sin. He holds the human government and, and with the presence of what? The Holy Spirit that he sent down here, right? And, and we, we, me and Claudia were talking about this the other day. God uses evil men to get his things done. You know, he does. And that's the Holy Spirit down here managing, right? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in what? Christians. And if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, then you become the salt of the earth. You're part of the preserver. Okay? That's God's grace again. Let's look at Luke 6.32. Luke 6.32. Luke chapter 6, verse 32. Jesus is talking to us. He says, For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And we were talking about this with God's love, right? But this is God's grace. God, God's grace gives unsaved men. We're talking about unsaved men. It says right there that even sinners love those that love them. That's God's grace because God, because of God's grace and, and God, the, even the unsaved people are a creation of God. Okay, so God gives the, even unsaved men the ability to love. Okay, that's God's grace. He gives them that ability. Can you imagine if you're unsaved, you had no love? This world would be in chaos. It would be just horrible things going on, right? Let's look at Ephesians 2, 4. Ephesians 2, 4. <clears throat> We're going to read 4 through 8. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 4. But God, that's a good way to start, isn't it? But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Here it comes. By grace are ye saved. Awesome, right? And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that, the age, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast. Wow, that's grace right there. Because God, just as God is, it graciously gives us uh, physical life and he gives us breath and he gives us water and he gives us air and he gives us ground to stand on and he gives us gravity to keep us stuck to this earth, right? He also gives us what? He gives us grace and spiritual life, right? And what is that called? Salvation. He gives you the opportunity to bow your knee and come to him in salvation. That's grace. That's grace. And it says right there, nothing that you can do. There is not one thing you can do to get salvation except come to Jesus Christ. You can't go to Buddha. 
You can't be you know, the richest man on the earth. You can't. And what do the what do they do in the Old Testament? They're like, hey, let's build a tower, go to heaven. That didn't work, did it? Nope. Okay. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation, to build salvation, to buy salvation. Nothing. But His grace, His grace. So if you take your next breath, it's because of His grace. And if you're unsaved and you take your next breath, that's grace and mercy. Okay? Romans 3.24. And we're not going to finish grace today. There's too much. I got more pages. But we're going to do what we can here. Romans 3.24. The Bible says, being justified freely by His grace. How? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we are justified. That means it's not a price tag on it. It's free. You're justified freely by whose grace? God's grace. And how are you justified? Through Jesus Christ. Because He died on that cross, He redeemed you. What does that mean? He paid for your sins. That is grace. And we are saved by God's grace through the redemptive power of this guy named Jesus Christ. And that's free. It's grace through God's grace. I, I just I can't get you to understand that, that how great this grace is. Let's go to Ephesians 1, 7 and we're almost finished. You ain't got to listen to me much longer. And that would be grace, right? Ephesians 1, 7. The Bible says, in whom, who, whom, whom, that's Jesus Christ again, in whom we have redemption through his blood, whose blood, Jesus Christ. And what does that blood give us right there? It says the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Yes, we're beating a, a, a subject here that you should know. Because His grace is so great, you have to hear this, okay? Through the riches of God's grace, our sins are forgiven. You are sinful. You're born in sin. There's nothing you can do about it. And right there it says, because of God's grace, you get that redemption through Jesus Christ's blood on the cross. And it's given to you freely. That is grace, okay? 2 Timothy we're still going. Second Timothy. Go a little bit back farther in the Bible. Chapter 1, verse... And this is so important to understand how great God's grace is. Remember, it's abundant, right? It's overflowing. It's everywhere. It's just you can't stop it. You couldn't put a lid on it. You couldn't build a big enough container to hold it, right? That's God's grace. And what does this grace go back to? Well, we looked. It, 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 it gives the rain and the sun even on the evil, even on the horrible people, the mean people, the unsaved people, right? We know His grace manages the earth and it manages the solar system. It manages every creation He's ever created. And He does it every single day. But it all comes back to one point, and this is it. 2 Timothy 1.9. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his, his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. His grace was on you before he even created anything. 
Think about that. That's grace. He knew you were going to be a sinner. He knew you were going to fight against him. He knew every, he knows everything we're going to do. Whether it be good or bad, he knows. So before we were even created, he had grace. And what was that grace? That grace was that one day you would be called to salvation by his grace. Right? And there's nothing we can do about it. It says nothing you can do. Okay? You cannot. Here's the, here's the other flip side of it. You can't keep his salvation away from you. You may reject it, but it's still there. You can reject his love, but it's still there. You can reject his mercy, but it's still there. And you can even reject his grace, but it's still there because you're going to take another breath. Okay? There's nothing you can do to get away from God's grace. It's huge. It's big. It's overflowing. It was there before he created everything. And it'll be there long after everything's gone. And what is that grace for? It's to call you to salvation because he doesn't want you to die and end up in eternity in hell. Okay? And everybody thinks, oh, well, hell, you know, I've even heard entertainers joke about it. Well, I can't wait to go to hell to be with my friends. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I got a key for you, uh, or clue, I guess. Hell is eventually going to be gathered up and thrown in the lake of fire. So if hell's bad, I'm assuming that lake of fire is even worse. So, yeah, go be with your friends. Have a good day. Um, let's go to one more verse. Let's go to Titus 3.7. Titus 3, 7. Another great verse right here. It says, that being justified, okay, justified. That means that you're declared righteous, okay? And remember, we don't have righteous. We get righteous, our righteousness from Jesus Christ. So that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's God's grace right there. Because of God's grace, you're given the opportunity to come to repentance and let Jesus Christ's blood that, died, that he died and that blood shed on that cross do something. It's called bringing you to salvation, right? And, and because of that grace, we are given the opportunity, it says, for eternal life from the grace of God. That's grace. If you don't think there's grace... Ah, you're, you're just, I don't know what's wrong with you. You know, even the rocks are smart enough to know they got grace of God. Okay? And if you're taking your next breath and you don't know him, you're, you're on very, very thin ice. It only takes one moment for his grace to stop and you're done. Okay? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today and I, I hope that these words were clear and true. And Lord, that I was able to just even expound some on your grace or that, that people will know that your grace is so great and over overboard and overflowing and abundant lord and it was there before creation it's there going to be long after everything and your grace is there for one thing lord it manages everything every day but that grace is there to draw us to salvation lord I'd ask you, Lord, that maybe today somebody will hear this word and hear this, this, this Sunday school lesson and hear the preaching, Lord, and, and, and through God's grace, they'll answer that, that calling, Lord, and, and they'll give up to you, Lord, and just give in to you, Lord. I ask you just to be with us the rest of this day, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.